Hi, everyone. Welcome to Shrink Chat with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hi, how are you today? I would like to let you know that I'm back to getting the paper. Wow. But not the LA Times. Okay. We're still off the LA Times. Yep. They ruptured the relationship and they have not been able to repair it. But I I am appreciating the New York Times. Ah, love it. Mm Mm-hmm. Good. Well, with that, uh, we'll wrap it up. No, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. And that's been our PSA. I attended, um, Bruce Campbell did a commentary for The Evil Dead, a live commentary while we all watched The Evil Dead. And that was a hoot, I bet, as they say. I love him. And I did get the impression at the end of it that he wants to do all his movies like that, right? But you got to get the rights to it and mm-hmm. all of that. But I have done some of these watch-alongs through COVID times, and they have several really good uh, interfaces on the internet that these creators and producers use for these things. And it's really cool because there's like a chat on the right where you can chat with other people. Um, of course, I was chatting along with um, actually Snake and Ice who are in, everybody has nicknames, so don't be afraid. Um, Snake and Ice in our Discord and we all watched it together. And so I was chatting with them and not in the public forums, but it was really cool because you know what the thing is, is some commentaries can be super boring, but Bruce is so charismatic. He really is. He is so charismatic and so interesting. And of course, a lot of the information that you were getting was like stuff that if you were, you know, like a huge Evil Dead fan, you would have gotten, you would know the stuff from, Mm -hmm. from his books and things, but but he he dropped in a bunch of stuff like that you would never maybe have heard before. So it was pretty cool. I would love him to do all the movies like that. I would really love for him to do uh, Bubba Hotemp for that because that's one of my favorite mm. Bruce Campbell's movies. But anyway, I attended it. It was fun. Um, we, I, you know, I attended. It was a pay event. So a couple of people in our uh, Terror Talk Discord and I watched it and it was fun. Good it times. sounds fun. Yeah. I wish I could have joined that. Oh, and I wanted to mention that, uh, just FYI, Ice mentioned that we forgot a plot point that helped keep the kids in there for that movie that we watched. Uh, oh, Super Dark Times? Thank you. Uh, mm, no, the one in the house where it's a ghosties and they all have to make a phone call. Uh, the call. Oh, the call. Yeah, Thanks. okay. I want to hear what he say. Um, he said, oh, you guys forgot the plot point that actually kept the kids in the house. Because remember we were saying... Why didn't they just leave? Well, we know the money was there, but what else? Well, he says that they, um, the saw guy. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he tells them that he has enough evidence to prosecute them for her murder. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We forgot. A I think it's sort of lost on, it gets lost on the audience though, because I think. Um, well, it was certainly lost on us. <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. lose it, but we certainly did. <laughs> no, that's a really good point. But I think, I think it just speaks more to. A lot got lost. Oh yeah, in that. I mean, but and, I mean, yeah. I guess that would be enough to keep you there. But then, if that's the case, then why even offer the money? I don't know. Like, isn't that enough to keep you there? And get well, the yeah, call? he did it to have her, his dead wife, haunt them and kill them. Yeah, it, <laughs> that's what he really did it for, right? But anyway, okay. I thanks, to bring Ice. Up, I just wanted to bring up that Ice. You know, he was listening for one, which is a good sign, and that um, he's like, "Oh, I know why. I know why they stayed." So yeah. I, I'm helpful for that because this is why we watch things in a group because <laughs> 10 eyes are better than four because <laughs> true i do not pick up on everything at all that is true 
Anyway, the next segment is a little thing we like to call Horrifics with Carol. That was Kath. But I said a cow. Oh, like a c- cat. Like <laughs> a meow. Like a like cow a and a cat. Yeah, okay. A cow. <laughs> Ow. That's, that's like a rock and roll cow. thing. That's a cat and a cow. A cat cow. Cow. That's a like isn't that a isn't that a yoga thing a cat cow oh, it is what now it's when you arch your back and then you that's a cat cow that's okay it's called anyway all right then matter. thank you is that one of your horror facts nope although i've met some horrific people in yoga <laughs> okay no well, we are in los angeles yeah, so. <laughs> lots of spiritual narcissism oh yes i'm a healer mm-hmm. that was my favorite oh the healers for those of you who don't know i used to be a massage therapist <laughs> everybody fancies themselves a healer it used to be one of my hugest pe- pet peeves um, several of my friends like identify it as yeah healers usually i'm when like I hear, i'm a massage therapist that's always a red flag for me when i hear that <laughs> it was i'm a healer it's you're like, a narcissist yeah okay okay um you're saving the world with your <laughs> thumbs you have the answer uh <laughs> this is this is actually i'm not looking for a movie here i'm looking for a, a director Good luck with that. Okay. Number one, this director was a student Academy Award one. Sorry. This director <laughs> won the writing that was <laughs> won a student Academy Award in 1995 for his, for his NYU thesis um, film called Restaurant Dogs. Number two, he got the idea for his 2002 film based on a flesh eating disease from his own experience visiting Iceland and contacting one himself. Ooh, yucky. Number three, he paid for his student films by working as, as an online sex operator for penthouse. Cool. Number four, Tarantino called this director, the future of horror in May, 2004 premiere magazine. And number five, he put on 35 pounds of muscle for the role of, is it Downey Donowitz in Inglorious Bastards? I was going to say Robert Rodriguez, but until you got- Kind of close. Until you got to those last couple. Yeah. <laughs> Eli Roth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. A lot of our listeners will have known that because mm-hmm. they know what he played in that movie. Like that one would have given it away. I thought maybe you would have gotten it with that one, but- No, but I have been becoming more familiar with Eli Roth- Lately, in the last couple of months, actually, because of his documentary stuff. Yeah, I think it's more interesting, not so much for you to get it, but like some of these facts that I read about them is interesting. Like even, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the flesh eating disease, like that must have been terrifying. That's terrible. No, I, that's what I'm, that's what I'm using this time for. Yeah. It's not only my shame and humiliation at not knowing the answers, but gaining useless knowledge to learn things and then quickly forget them. That's right. Because I was thinking I could listen to all of the horror facts with Kath, like in succession, and I would go, oh, that's cool. I would not remember. <laughs> However, I don't know if I'll ever forget that Bruce Campbell used, wasn't it like dead chickens and walnuts or whatever for like that sound? <laughs> perfect. There's so some perfect. in there that you won't forget. Yeah, I just won't remember like the which first movie film with the toilet. <laughs> I don't remember the answer Psycho. to that. Psycho. Oh, there you go. See, I never, I don't, well, we've talked about this ad nauseum. I don't connect these things. These are things I do not hold. You, you researching them though, 
Like if I was researching yeah, them I, and I, coming up with I them, totally retain them more. Then I would remember them. Yeah. Like the things I've had to research for the show, I generally speaking, well, remember. Shan- Shannon knows this and kind of makes fun of me for doing it because I'm a left, I'm a lefty, so I can't read my handwriting half the time. Is part of the reason I actually physically write it out is it just helps me remember it more too. Uh, yeah, I'm a kinesthetic learner as yeah. well. Okay, you have a news item, I believe. I do. This is, I think, something just very close to home for me. Okay, I've talked to. Uh, um, on Shrink Chat before and even on Terror Talk about um, some of the testimony work, both fact witnessing and expert witnessing for trying to protect um, children in the family court and children court system from going back into the hands of very pathologically narcissistic parents. Um, but it's very difficult work to do because there's certain legislation that is not put into place if we don't, you know, see bruises and we don't see things like that. So I'm very proud to say, and even though the bill was passed, I think in September, this past September, um, there's an article in the New York Times talking about how the state of California has added a, a coercive control bill. And I think that this is going to be one of the first segues into bringing narcissistic abuse and uh, more emotionally exploitative relationships into the court system and there being legislation around why it can be incredibly, uh, why it's so detrimental to understand the long-term effects or even um, some of the the learned helplessness and stuff that happens when you're in a, a, a relationship even if there aren't bruises involved. And in some of these relationships, there are. Um, th- this is a really interesting, you can you can still look it up, but it was in the New York Times last weekend. And they interview a couple different people, one being the past partner of Shia LaBeouf, okay. who was um, severely uh, emotionally abused and I believe physically abused by him. So they interview her, but they also interview Congresswoman Cori Bush of Missouri, who's been sharing her story as a survivor of domestic abuse to help normalize the conversation. So just to give some background here. So the term coercive control was popularized around 2007 by Evan Stark, a researcher and forensic social worker whose work was cited by governments in the UK. Um, the law that Ms. Rubio proposed, the congresswoman I was just mentioning, which allows coercive control to be used as evidence of DV in family court, went into effect this month. It defined those behaviors as instances in which one party deprived, threatened, or intimidated another, or controlled, regulated, or monitored their movements, communications, daily behavior, finances, economic resources, or access to services. So this is this is really... Um, I, I think a lot of people would hear this and say, wow, I mean, isn't that always already? <laughs> already? It's definitely not. Let me tell you firsthand, it's definitely not. So Susan Rubio, um, she, the state senator from California who headed the effort to adopt new legislation there, said she was motivated partly by her own experiences in 2016 during divorce proceedings. She accused her husband, Roger, Roger Hernandez, a California state assemblyman of DV, describing instances in which he punched her in the chest and attempted to strangle her with the belt. Um, but they really also discuss how... Um, the early onset of the relationship that can look, we've talked about on the show when we talk about narcissistic abuse, the love bombing cycle 
And it says that the outside outside of the relationship, love bombing, as it's sometimes called, is a classic warning sign showing up early to give partner flowers, you know, picking her up when she doesn't expect it. Basically, incredible boundary crossing. But like we've talked about in other episodes, if you don't realize and why would you? that you're with someone who's abusive, you might see that as a nice gesture. Yeah, of course. Um, so the gestures seem sweet, thoughtful, but they are a test monopolizing a partner's time at attention, sows isolation and shows the abuser that he can control her. So it talks about really the development of the trauma bond and everything, but I think this is so important. Um, when I go to court for these cases, and I've only done a handful of them, there's a lot of red tape at being able to discuss how these emotionally abusive, narcissistically abusive, or, or the coercive control, however you want to talk about it, um, as, as it being this really gray, sort of evasive area. So this is a huge, huge step for family court and children's court. Great. Yeah. I'm glad that that, you know, the law and the government can work. Yep. <laughs> And get better and get yeah. healthier. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just be more aware. Right. Right. Um, oh, not to be outdone. Oh, Shannon's got it. I got the, the paper. I, I, I am not reading the New York Times. I am reading my local acorn. <laughs> Do you get the acorn? That's why I say, is are? that the town crier? Yeah. <laughs> in our, in our counties around here, it's there's something like a called little local acorn. Yeah. acorn. The acorn. The acorn. <laughs> it's an acorn apron. I could call it the acorn. Yeah. I kind of like that. Yeehaw. But it has things like <clears throat> someone broke into the eye store and stole $45,000 worth of glasses, sunglasses, and frames. Whoops. Whoopsies. A burglar stole out of a safe a gun, four magazines, and 20 rounds of ammunition. Also a watch, a purse, and a necklace. Lots of burglaries. Then this one's like a car, stole three grand out of a car that was like glasses. So I literally, we have a sheriff's blotter, a local sheriff's blotter. <laughs> I wish you could have seen her face when she said that. <laughs> blotter, Say it again. Blotter. Yeah. Sheriff's blotter. Blatter? In the acorn. <laughs> We're talking about sheriff's blotters in the acorn. In the acorn. <laughs> Don't even try. Don't even try with your accent over there. This is the acorn. Uh, let me see. Yeah, they're all. I'm just trying to like scan if there's. There is no what the hell segment in my in my sheriff's blotter. All right. In other words, it's literally just so boring, and that is exactly why. <laughs> when we do what the hell, or when we do these kinds of stories, how much we have to read to find something interesting? Because honestly, most crimes are like, you know, dude broke into a car stole some gift cards yeah it's like whoa yeah i'm wow. not you know like so much crime in our country is just isn't it really people it, getting ripped off it's incredible to think of uh, overwhelming is probably a better word to yeah. think about how much crime actually happens every single day well that's when i read those it's like over and over yeah. and over again it's just like car got broken into house got broken into there's one in there there's one story in there where the house just got ransacked mm -hmm. like okay i I'm hoping that was worth it for you. Like, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? Were you looking for something? Drugs? Uh, I guess. I mean, I, I mean, think you'd think that out and ransack the right house. Not if he was high. I guess looking not. Looking for money to 
pay for more drugs. It doesn't even say that they took anything though. Like, but oh, they could have gone through looking for cash or some, you know what and I mean? And everybody has some shit that's valuable. Like, why wouldn't you? Never mind. Why don't you? We just can analyze that to death. <laughs> but we don't want to be like, how to be a better criminal with Shannon and Kathy. Yeah. <laughs> like, no thanks. That's a whole other s- segment. That's, yeah. How to be a criminal with Cal. <laughs> Same song. <laughs> You're fucking ridiculous. They're like, oh God. <laughs> You know, they're low budget when all the songs are the same. (laughs) So low budget. I wanted to share with you, uh, some of you might be following along with this, so you already know this, but Friday the 13th, you know, they scared up a new litigation. (laughs) Friday the 13th has had a lot of litigation over the years. Mm. So Sean Cunningham, who's, if you watch horror documentaries or you know anything about Friday the 13th, he's the producer and, you know, He's associated with it anyway. The producer of the 2009 horror reboot, Friday the 13th, is um, sued Warner Brothers and and its New Line Productions, as well as Paramount Pictures, claiming breach of contract. And basically what this is, is that he's alleging that the studio systematically misaccounted his compensation from the feature. Mm. So in the article I'm reading, which is from the New- LA times, don't tell Kathy. Uh, I'm sure it was late. <laughs> I'm sure it showed up late. <laughs> the internet is not late. It's right here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Warner brothers declined to comment. Paramount could not be reached for comment, which is basically declining. Anywho, Cunningham directed and produced the original 1980 hit, as most of you know, uh, and their agreements dated back to 1992, and he had the right to significant compensation from the film's net profits, which included limitations on how the distributors calculated the figures, which is, I think, where it went wrong. Uh, The 2009 movie earned more than twice its budget on opening weekend and went on to gross $129 million to date. It's a great movie, by the way. The reboot's really good. So based upon the four, this is a quote from the lawsuit, based upon the foregoing audit findings, plaintiffs believe that they have been deprived of significant rightfully owed royalties for the picture and seek redress accordingly. They want some money. Yep. They want money back from Warner Brothers. Oh. Basically. They accused Warner Brothers of undervaluing and underreporting the feature's merchandising revenue, home video returns, home video, what are we, 1982? And <laughs> and other, I guess he is talking probably about 1982. Yeah. And other third-party license fees such as HBO and U.S. film rentals. So he's saying he's, that's a huge accusation. They must have some. They must have some evidence. I want to. I want to think they'd have some evidence to be able to even file that because that's like you. Un, you're actually misreporting what you earned off of us. But yeah. this happens all the time in Hollywood. Like, there's so many cases like this. Like the creators of Walking Dead, um, they fought their distributor, AMC Networks, over the profits uh, last year in court, and also uh, the people. I, I forget who it is. Uh, they fought over the series Bones and they got $178 million judgment against 20th Century Fox over the series Bones. So people win these cases and there is shenanigans or just bad accounting. I have no idea Mm -hmm. about the intent or the malicious intent. Mm -hmm. But yeah, happens all the time. But because, you know, we love the Friday the 13th around here. I thought I'd mention it. Yeah, that's, I would imagine um, 
with all like the reboots and it's showing here and the new version of this, how that can get really messy. Yeah. No idea where the culpability is there, but they're going to go to court and keep them in court forever. I mean, this is one of the, there was a whole other thing that they were fighting over. And it's the reason why the Friday the 13th uh, video game has not been updated in years now, I guess, um, because there's some kind of litigation going on, which is unfortunate because it's kind of a fun game, but now it's getting kind of, it's old. Yeah. It's old and clunky for like $5 a GameStop. They should redo it. All right. So we did a buddy watch. What did we buddy watch? Kathy? Are you talking about black box? I am. Okay. What about, (laughs) I'm looking for my little description. After losing his wife and his memory in a car accident, a single father undergoes an agonizing experimental treatment that causes him to question who he really is. We watched this on the Discord. We did. And I had a whole conversation with Pepper right after it too. You did. <laughs> we suck. We I, I came back onto the Discord. I'm like, wow, you guys are really still going at this. Oh, oh, and then it went to DMs. Wow. Because <laughs> we were both like, Kathy's going to think we're insane that we're still talking about this. I think I better. was making food or something and I came back and I'm like, okay, they're still talking about it. Yeah. I mean, there was really, I mean, there is a lot to talk about. Okay. But. Um, In general, what did you think of the movie, I guess? I mean, I think it had its moments. It was an interesting concept i think some of it was a little bit i mean other than the obvious i'm not talking about the the experiment but i'm saying even the plot there were some unrealistic pieces like that just is not going to work and that person's not going to receive that information that way but i think it was on just like a macro scale i think it was an interesting way of looking at a first of all humans difficulty with like accepting mortality and just, you know, really man playing God and trying to recreate. And every time in every classical horror movie that we've tried to do that, it always ends badly. And this is just a, a futuristic, you know, Frankenstein's monster kind of thing. Yeah. The, I I really did see it as a grief story. Yeah, it is. Um, Just, and however, one could argue that because like, I mean, obviously not so you couldn't really argue it because there's grief in it and that propels uh, one of the characters uh, Fali- uh felicia rashad mm-hmm. her character to do what she does in a not so great way uh but also it's like my trouble with this movie so in general okay so it's an it's a debut writer and director and like you said on a macro level i thought it had really strong performances I thought it was emotional. I really liked watching mm-hmm. several of the actors. I thought were were really yeah, intriguing the to look at. Yeah, were good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was like a it didn't surprise me. Like I I do I guess like a little bit of surprise even even if it's minor. Like mm-hmm. it, nothing really surprised me. Um my biggest issue I guess would be hmm, the so this is one of the things that uh, Pepper and I were talking about afterwards but then it was hilarious because all of a sudden we realized I realized that I was talking about the wrong character (laughs) oh how funny (laughs) we were sort of going back and forth not really arguing like just like like the real guy versus the I guess so I, I don't even remember now but I do remember that like she was calling the person by the character name. And as everyone knows, the detail of the character name was like, I didn't give a shit. So I was like, couldn't remember which character was which yeah, and didn't remember their names. <laughs> so 
I'm like going on about this whole like problem where the character arc of one of the antagonists was much more effective than the, the character arc of the entirely passive character arc of the main guy. Mm -hmm. Even though the movie was enjoyable, like I enjoyed watching it. It wasn't like I hate this movie or I'm mad at it or anything. And it had some great ideas and some great parts to it. My problem was that the main guy that you're following, like from the beginning is set up as the protagonist, Mm -hmm. but the more compelling character arc is the other guy. Yes. And so that's, that's, that was hard. That was a hard sell for me. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously you can mess with story structure all you want, like, and, and it can be really effective and amazing. But for me, it was a little bit like I, a really effective character arc in everyone is what is what we're all kind of striving for in movies. In other words, I wanted Felicia Rashad's character to have a really compelling character arc, which she was very one dimensional. She was the same. And you know, it's not her fault. I think it's the writing, but it's like from the beginning to the end, she stays the same. Nothing changes. The main guy pretty much stays the same. Mm -hmm. A little tiny bit of change, but not really. He's literally the same guy at the beginning as he was at the end. But then there's this other guy, which I don't want to spoil the movie because I do think it's worth a watch. It's on Shudder. Prime. Wait. Uh, Prime, Prime, I think. think. Um, uh, The other guy has a massive character arc. And it's very interesting and compelling. But I'm watching the other guy. Because that's the guy you've set up as the main person. Well, and I think that's where when we we got into, I think it was, I don't know, maybe 40% to the movie, if even that, mm-hmm. where you, Pepper, and I were like, wait, what? Because now, <laughs> and it's not that it's hard to follow what's going on. It's actually no. quite simple. It's yeah. just that when it when it does this you they know, just change the when protagonist. It does this shift. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're like, <laughs> I remember Pepper goes, "Who the fuck is that guy?" <laughs> because right. now it's like they right. they didn't do a really good job. It's like now you're left with these pieces. The movie keeps going on, and I'm sitting there going, "Hold on, I'm still trying to put these together. Yeah. I'm trying to figure exactly. out who is this." Now you're way over here talking to that girl with that. It, it, so it was like I needed mm-hmm. to hit the pause for a second just to process these pieces, and like you said, that character ends up being the more fascinating character that we get very little time with. So, so, I mean, one of the reviews talks about how it, 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 um, let me find this really quick because I I agree with this. Well, that was my thing is that, um, and that, and I figured that out afterwards because I was with you guys. We were obviously watching in the discord with some patrons, but it's like, I, I had the same, we all went like, what the fuck? wait, what story are we in now? Who's that guy? Where are we? And there was, it was very dysregulating. And then after the movie, we're having conversations. I'm thinking about it. I'm looking at it. So obviously the movie was intriguing enough to do that. But also because I was watching with others, we were all sort of trying to sort it out. Because then we got this guy that had this compelling arc. And so it had enough meat to have that discussion, which I really appreciate a movie that has me discussing something afterwards. But then in retrospect, that's when I kind of came up with like, that's the problem is they mm-hmm. switched protagonists on me and that's the more compelling character arc. Right. Yeah. The The review says something like, um, this is just one person's opinion, but they, they say how once the initial uneasiness recedes, the content sort of becomes a little sappy in its proceedings. And I agree. It's like you get this really big thing that happens Um, and then it sort of trickles off after that. Like it didn't really, 
like I wanted to really bring me home and, yeah. and it ends and you're like, huh? Okay. And I think that's because the two out of the three people you're looking at don't change at all. That's right. That's my, that's my, uh, it's, analysis. Cent- it's centered around this one thing. Yep. And everybody else, even the, uh, is it the, the brother or the stepbrother or whatever mm-hmm. it is that ends up being, um, just, he, they could have done more with him. Oh my gosh. Totally. Um, I mean, yeah. So if we were writing a, if I was, it's Dees, it's Dees, it's Dees. If I was writing a script analysis, that would be my, that would be my note. <laughs> yeah. Figure out the character arcs, please get back to me. We also watched another movie, uh, separately. I watched this movie on the discord mm-hmm. And you watched it on your own, I believe. I did. It's called The Little Things, and it's brand new, dropped to HBO Max, as we are getting our movies this year. (laughs) Yeah. Virtually. So this is a new movie with Denzel Washington and Jared Leto. And Deputy Sheriff Joe Deke Deacon joins forces with Sergeant Jim Baxter to search for a serial killer who's terrorizing Los Angeles. So you hear that and you say, we got to see that movie. Just like when we wanted to see Joker or any of the other movies that have that basic same thing. (laughs) As they track the culprit, Baxter is unaware that the investigation is dredging up echoes of Deke's past, played by Denzel Washington, by the way. Uncovering disturbing secrets that could threaten more than his case. It was over, it's like two hours and 20 minutes long. They could have shaved some of this off. It needed an edit. A lot so of editing, my in my initial, opinion. My initial reactions, it's not a character we've, Denzel has played this character a million times, but we've seen this sort of older, re, almost close to retired detective role. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Denzel's always awesome no it was denzel being denzel so you're not it's not yeah. it's not anything new although yeah. let me just add on to that super quick because you bring up a, a thing i thought of which was the first i don't know i wasn't looking at the time but let's say like 20 or 40 minutes because it was a fucking ass long movie um 20 the first 20 or 40 minutes there's this denzel denzel plays this character that i have kind of not seen him do too much more more like humble more uneasy there was in his eyes there was just like this uncomfortableness to him and then about 40 or 45 minutes or whatever into it they have this thing where all of a sudden he like gets his good suit on and he's going to work and he's going to be that detective that does this thing with this guy right like the the moment where it's like okay he's gonna go get him and then it's the denzel you see i saw this marked shift in the way he was portraying the character it was really odd to me i was like oh there's denzel you know the only thing i mean maybe, maybe this is me reaching way further in than it I mean, like maybe i'm making oh, making sorry. it you know more um sure. profound than it is <laughs> but i also know that without i don't want to give anything away but we know that he's tormented by a past case yeah right yep. and so when he meets remy malik who i just can watch his face all day i just adore him and i just think he's just brilliant he was okay in this but i, I think i he, think he's brilliant too yeah. and i was really disappointed yeah, he, he was okay in this um jared leto was his crazy jared leto self like it was whatever but and i enjoy watching him as well so you have these three really great actors that weren't either directed well or the script was just kind of blah but that shift though too is when he starts to get now committed to this new case with Rami Malik. I don't know if that was supposed to be like this shift in motivation to get 
because he was so wounded and so depressed and that now there was like this sense of relatedness. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it shifts all of a sudden because now he's committed to this case that reminds him of this other case. I don't know if there, there's anything to do with that, but I did see that shift too. And I just don't know if there was a motivation an intentional motivation there because of, I don't know, he ends up moving into this case that is like, okay, is this his way of sort of repairing the initial injury? I don't know. Um, but I do feel like it, it stretched. It was long. I don't mind movies that have a lot of silence. Um, it had some of the same atmosphere as seven flipped on its head because it ends up really becoming more about, um, just like the moral integrity of the detectives more so than the actual killer. So I thought that was kind of clever. Um, the way they ended it, I thought was kind of clever, I guess, but it just, I, I wanted more. I wanted less movie. I wanted more in less time, if that makes sense. Yeah. It needed an edit basically. Like yeah. It needed to be edited down, but I wanted to watch this film because I attended an event called Deadline Contenders where I have the opportunity and it's online right now, of course. I had the opportunity to see uh, scads and scads and scads of filmmakers and actors in 15-minute chunks talk about their projects. And so um, it was Jared, the one they talked about it and it was Jared Leto and John Lee Hancock talking about this movie and the script and all that. And I thought, oh, well, wow, Jared Leto, Rami Malek and Denzel Washington, like, I I, I want to see that movie. And mm -hmm. it's in the serial killer mm -hmm. vein. And Jared was talking about how, you know, Seven and Science of the Lambs and those kinds of performances were very inspirational for him for this because he actually worked quite a bit on which you do see in the movie he changes his walk. He changes his yeah. the way his body looks. He changed <clears throat> his voice. He went through voice voice coaching to change mm -hmm. his voice. He looks like Jesus. He's got like the long hair. With a pot hair, belly. <laughs> with a pot belly. And, a beer belly. And so he worked very hard to make uh, that character. And so I thought, you know, I, I definitely want to respect the work. I don't, I, I the all three of the performance were so kind of strange to me. Um, even Denzel, I, I love Denzel. And I love rewatching the, bone collector in the 45 movies where he played, you know, I love the equalizer. Yeah. I love these movies. Training day is like one of my favorite Flight. movies of all time. Flight was amazing. Like I love Denzel, but this, this one didn't capture me. I love Remy Malik Malik, but he was strangely wooden in this. Total. That's a perfect word to describe it. Like his where is he? Like yeah. it's wooden. And I just couldn't connect to him and I could just see him, I don't know. It just didn't land for me. And, um, you know, I kind of prefer the Jared Leto of Suicide Squad that's yeah. like all over the freaking place because although I very much respect on what he was attempting to do, it didn't quite land for me. However, this is a, this movie was written back in, I mean, it's set in the early 90s. 90s yeah. This was written then and it's taken them 28 years to get it made. Now, this might be a reason not to do that. So, I mean, fun facts that you guys probably know, which I, I learned some of this in the interviews that I watched, is that, you know, Spielberg was going to do this movie. Um, he had just done Schindler's List, but he and so he didn't want to do another dark movie. Mm -hmm. um, Clint Eastwood was also attached at one point. Um, 
Warren Beatty was attached to direct. Danny DeVito was attached to direct. Uh, There's so many, the script has been through a lot, you know, it's been tough to get financing. I'm sure it's gone through lots of iterations. You know, this is a pretty famous writer, uh, writer director that is doing this and that Denzel Washington was, I think the reason why the movie got made, but I, it fell flat for me. Yeah. And so one of the reasons I wanted to watch it or have us both watch it is because I thought, well, maybe this will be something that we'll do an episode on, but without spoilers, it is, it is not a movie. It's not worth it. Well, and there's a plot point that is the reason why we wouldn't do it. Which if you get to the end of this movie and you know the kind of movies that we look at for this and you know why we look at them and what we talk about, you'll know why this movie doesn't qualify. <laughs> right. It's just not it's just not relevant. Not 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 because the movie didn't quite land for us, because we could still pull psychology out of it, of course. Um, but it just doesn't qualify. So But I'm glad I saw it. I mean I needed to mm-hmm. see. I needed yeah. to see if it was worth it. You gotta I gotta make my own opinion. It so. reminded me of um True Detective, the first season. Oh, I like True Detective. The I did first too, season. but I'm saying that the atmosphere oh, of it, sure. like it was just very, um, I don't know, like set in this moody. town and moody, <laughs> and even the the relationship between the two of them, and I don't know. Maybe that was um, part of the current. Maybe, but but like you said, I mean, it really kind of turns its head, and and the focus ends up becoming more about the detectives. Yeah, and so cool. So. Yeah. Did you watch something else? I did. I watched, um, I'm sure you've, you've seen it. Cause I, I think maybe it wasn't Sundance. I'm not sure, but you see, you pretty much watch everything, but I watched a um, movie that I enjoyed called we are what we are, mm-hmm. um, came out in 2013, but right now it's, um, streaming. I can't remember if it's shutter or I'll look it up what? while you're talking about it. This is a really, first of all, I want to say that the cast is awesome. Um, I love Julia Garner. I will watch anything that she's in. I just think she's absolutely brilliant and always delivers this performance that kind of like Denzel, you kind of know what you're going to get, but I always find her to be so unassuming. I loved her in the Americans. Um, I love, I've loved, I loved her in, uh, the Waco, you know, even though that was an okay series, I just think she's awesome. Mm -hmm. And so the, it's, the movie is this, the Parkers, a reclusive family who follow ancient customs, find their secret existence threatened as a, a torrential downpour moves into their area, forcing daughters, Iris and Rose to assume responsibilities, but the, but beyond those of a typical family, um, it is, a, I think it's a pretty good psychological thriller. It goes into, um, it goes down this road where you're like, okay, I wasn't really expecting that. (laughs) So it's, it's, I don't want to give too much away, but let's just say things like cannibalism are involved. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, again, you have this, this family that is hiding a deep secret. And so there's this sort of pull to empathize with what these girls are going through, despite what they are doing to people. Um, the mother dies early in the film. You find out why later. And so you're left with uh, the father who is becoming increasingly psychotic and deranged. And you kind of figure out why that's happening later on. Um, Overall, like I really recommend it. Have you seen this? I have. Yeah. What did you think of it? Uh, By the way, it's on Shudder and it's also on Tubi with ads. If you want to watch it for free, if you don't have Shudder. I liked it. 
Mm-hmm. I liked that it uh, got crazy. It's, yeah. it's sort of kind of what I'm wanting from a strict horror movie. I mean, it's a thriller as well. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, an hour and 45 minutes. So you got to have a little bit of meat to the story. And it definitely has that. I love her too. And I would say it's the reason why I like the movie so Me much too. is because of her. So I'm not completely objective. <laughs> yeah. Because, but, you know, hey, if you like her and, and you want to, if you, if you know her from Ozark or what have you, I actually, uh, as part of the Deadline Contenders, I saw her um, and the, filmmaker and some of the other actors for her uh portrayal in the assistant which i don't know if you've seen that movie but uh she's exceptional yes, that was it. awesome that she's was really good that she cared i mean and she, that was her film oh absolutely <laughs> she was really good in that so uh it just reminds me of that and um yeah, I would recommend it if you like horror. That it's a it's just different, especially I think. Can, cannibalism. Like that's a trope in some horror movies yeah. that people like. Oh, like I like the cannibal cannibalism subgenre kind of thing, and mm-hmm. the, that this would be a good one to add to your list if you haven't seen it. I just thought it was different. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is. It totally is. And and all and like you're a little conflicted at the end too, where of course everybody gets crazy and they all act inappropriately. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. You you do sort of know why they do it. Like, oh yeah you kind of go you you empathize yep. like what we're we've been talking about like yep. you empathize with them and you know why they did it and you kind of go like well that's what happens that's what's gonna happen <laughs> yep um i watched uh the queen of black magic with a couple of our patrons uh ice and uh blue she goes by blue she's the winner of our yeah our first giveaway of the year she's hilarious by the way Shout out to Blue. She's really funny in the chat. I really enjoy watching movies with her. So I, uh, what I did in the Discord is I set up that every Thursday for the next three months or so, Shudder is dropping something new. <clears throat> and um, although I've seen a couple of them, what I did was I scheduled them for every Thursday so that we're watching them on the premiere day on Shudder. Because, you know, us horror nerds want to get in there and watch the thing and so that's what it was it, it dropped on thursday and so got together a couple of people and and watched it let me give you the premise it's 2019 families were terrorized at the orphanage someone wants them dead apparently with black magic that is very deadly so there's the like black magic voodoo trope all over this if you like that in your horror movies which i do so i was kind of i was kind of excited it's like a mystery thriller horror uh I like the atmosphere of this movie because I do like the black magic voodoo type of vibes to it. I really like the actors in this. I thought they were exceptional. So this movie, if you like uh, body gore, mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. There are some body gore coupled with giant bugs. <laughs> So one of the problems that people, um, especially, well, Blue and Ice actually, but especially Blue was having a lot of trouble with this, is um, there's some pretty massive bugs and centipedes and things that come out of bodies. So this is the same director as Impedigore, which I know oh, you, yeah. you had some reactions to. I did. <laughs> I mean, it was great film. Yeah, just, and this yeah. is a great film too, I would say. Actually, I, I think this is a great film too. Um, and I like the voodoo aspect of it. And just like with Impedigore, although I think Impedigore was kind of nuts 
throughout the whole thing. This is like a slower burn. And then it just like a lot of films these days, it just turns on a dime. <laughs> and then you're in full batshit crazy town. Okay. And so just like in Pedagore, there's a lot of gore. There's a lot of like horrible bugs and things crawling out of bodies. There's one like 60 second piece of this movie that I would actually, that is gory and scary, but it's a, it's a mental health wise. It's a representation of body dysmorphia. Oh, and I think it's so, because I was immediately like, OMG, what is happening right here? And I don't think it's a spoiler to say that at one point in this movie, part of what's happening to these people is that they're not seeing, they're not accurately representing reality. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And there's this woman and she's standing and she's looking in the mirror and she begins to cut off pieces of herself. She's perfect, by the way. Okay. And then you see what she sees in the mirror and she starts to take a knife and cut off pieces of herself. Now it's not as bad as it sounds. And you as an audience member see what she's seeing, which is she basically like, if you have a little like waddle under your chin, she kind of, she takes a knife and she cuts it off. But then what happens Mm. in her view of things, she's looking in the mirror and she wipes it away. Got it. You see her cut it off and then she wipes it away and there's just a little bit of blood left and she looks in the mirror and she goes, oh my God, I look great. So she does this to two or three places on her body and you're seeing what she sees in the mirror. Right. And then a guy walks in and sees her how she really is. Oh God. And so she's got skin and shit hanging off of her. Like what would, what's really happening? And she's like, don't I look great? (laughs) And the guy's like, wait, what? (laughs) Um, so that's just one. And that's not a plot point or anything. So I encourage anyone to look at that. But then, for all of a sudden it just hit me. I'm like, wow, that would be an amazing thing to talk about. Like the, what body dysmorphia feels like because she literally is distorting. She's distorting her image and she's killing herself to change, but really believing that it's not going to kill her. And I just thought that was, that's, that's literally body dysmorphia. It is. So anyway, interesting. I I thought it was good. I thought it was pretty good and it's got subtitles and all of that. But if you liked in Pedagore, you'd like this. Awesome. Yeah. I, I did like in Pedagore, just certain scenes. Nope. And certain scenes for this are hard too. Yeah. But I just, uh, I, I, at some point, I mean, I don't know if they were as blown away by it as me. I mean, I wasn't blown away, but I, I really enjoyed it as I just, some of the writing, I just really liked the writing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Got anything else? Um, I watched, uh, <laughs> I watched the new craft. Oh, legacy. Yeah. And, um, it had its moments. I, I <laughs> yeah, know, I've heard mixed reviews. I haven't seen it yet. It had its moments, you know, obviously I'm biased, so nothing's going to beat the original, but gotcha. There's a couple kind of fun Easter eggs in the way that it ends. Nice. And, um, you know, there's nostalgia. Yes, but it was, that's why I would watch it. Yeah, totally. It, it's, um, There's, yeah, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. So if we're going, you know, five star, you know, like a five star thing, would you give it like three? I'd give it three. Okay. Yeah. There's cool. a couple moments that, that save it. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's worth watching. It's worth watching, especially if you're a craft fan. Yeah. Which I am, and I'm so I'm going to see it eventually. But I, I'd like to. I yeah, because I know how much of a it's one of your favorites. I'd want to hear what you think. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I I do want to watch it. I just haven't gotten to it. There was a time when I was really going to make it a point of it, but I just didn't. Um. So there's that. What's his face from the X Files? Isn't it David Duchovny? Oh, love him. And he actually uh, his his part is good. Like he's oh, really good in it. Oh, good. Yeah. No, I mean, he's become a really good actor. I mean, he was then too, but he like Californication and all of that. I just, I really liked him sure. in that. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm currently in the throes as we're recording this, um, when this airs, I will be done, but I'm in the throes of Sundance right now. And so I'm not going to go too into that. It'll be a couple of weeks before I, but I'm, I've seen some good, some, int- I'm trying to watch all the midnight movies. I'm not seeing all of them, but I watched a movie called coming home in the dark. I watched a movie called knocking and both were very Sundance, <laughs> slow mm-hmm. burn type of deal. And I'll talk a little bit about them in next week's shrink okay. chat. And then the week after that, I'll probably just do a full recap of like what my, Sundance experience was this year. Nice. But that's that. Okay. I think we did it up. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate you guys. This has been an episode of Shrink Chat. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy Sleeps. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shrink Chat. Please check us out on our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.